you know, I feel like so much of change starts actually starts with kids in general because you know they, they've got the their finger on the pulse of what's current what's you know what's yes. happening sometimes and you know they they can really have so much influence in a family and you know they hear about things in the classroom or from friends or just through the media that they're absorbing and they're like little sponges and they you know they they pick up these things and they bring it home and you know, I, I love seeing that. That's, that's terrific. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Ariel Anderson, and you just heard the voice of Ariane Tutu, and she, I hope I didn't mangle that, and I'm sorry, Ariane, <laughs> and uh, she is the editor uh, of the incredible National Geographic book, Kids vs. Plastic, The Pollution Solution. I love this book, you guys. I know I say this a lot, but I am so lucky to have these incredible books coming across my hands. And this one, of course, is National Geographic, so it is gorgeous. So many beautiful photos. And, you know, it's smell and sound and visuals. They, they more than our brain and taking things in and com computing them, these visuals really get you thinking and remembering things in a different way and activating something. And that's what these days are all about. And here we are. And of course, I want to thank you before we dive in to say thank you for being in this room with me around the world, whatever it is that you're doing and creating and thinking about creating and wondering if your inspiration can be taken to the next level. This is a reminder. And Ariane and I talk about, uh, you know, these little sparks that come and, you know, what a couple of kids or a few or many people, we don't even realize what they're doing. There are moments that you do things in small ways or in big ways that affect and echo out and create a domino effect and inspire others. So all those things, those things that pop up for you, those moments where you think, should I pick up that piece of trash or uh, collect all those golf balls as this one girl did in the Monterey, you know, the water near Monterey, I mean, you see somebody diving and you don't know that they're making an effect on our own, our lives and the lives of our ecology and marine life. You can do small things every day and our kids often inspire us to do that, right? How many times has Ella, you've heard me talk about, you know, since she was, she could walk, she would walk along the beach, um, not far from uh, Brighton and she just had to pick up all the trash. And I could have been the, oh no, that's somebody's garbage and don't touch it. But instead, I, I couldn't stop her. She was so passionate about it. She could not, not pick up the garbage. So what if we allowed our kids, you know, just spray their hands afterwards, if that's important, you know, with lavender or whatever it is that you in your family choose to use. Um, and, but, but not stop that, especially during this time. I think there, even Ella's sort of like, oh, am I allowed to pick it up because, you know, it's COVID and, um, sometimes moths or, you know, grandma will have a reaction like, oh, I'm not sure about that, you know, but finding a way for them to continue to feel like uh, 
uh, our kids, if they're inspired to do something that we don't freak them out about it, but allow them, find a way for it to work, you know, carry gloves around or whatever it is that makes sense for you uh, to, you know, not block that because there's so much fear going on right now. And, and those little things in which, as Ariane mentioned, the ways in which their kids can feel control of something in their own lives is so important. And I know that's been popping up and we've talked about that in the previous podcast about, you know, this, and I'm sure you've been seeing this with your kids at home as well, the, that there's this craving, this need to be in charge of something or to be in control of something because so much feels out of control, not seeing friends as much or at all, not going to school as much or at all, uh, seeing, not seeing family members or traveling or all the things that we used to do that we're not doing as much of or at all and it deeply affects them and we see how it affects us so you know that it's even twofold threefold tenfold for them uh, these little people or big people and no matter how old our kids are or ourselves know that these little things of keeping your integrity and your values of what's important to you even amidst whatever other stuff is going on is part of what keeps the foundation of our uh, of, of what's important and that stability inside of your soul to feel like you're still on your path and these little things do make a difference and so I, I really enjoyed the, the fluidity and the lightness of this conversation talking about the process of creating the book and doing it during these virtual times and as well uh, you know how it all came together and what little inspiration you might find along the way as you're listening and I hope you can get a chance to read it now I will have a giveaway for this book so you got to jump on you know listen up let me know what's inspiring and I'm going to ask you a question on Instagram about you know your world and single-use plastic or plastics and what what you do or what you think about it or what you've done as a result of listening to this podcast or you know, other things that have, um, you know, come up and you've made change in your life. So something relating to plastic and shifting and changing and uh, what you can do. Yeah, I'm leaving it really open. So either send me a mail at ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump onto Instagram at IP underscore parenting and I will have a post there, kids versus plastic. And when you see that, you just throw it. I'm going to put a book cover, the book cover, and then just throw in your comments and I might do some lives and throw in comments there and I will put you in a drawing for that wonderful book and it is gorgeous. It's like a, a, a firm a paperback book and uh, for the moment, it again, it's here in the US but I am continually um, in search of a digital thing that I can invite all of you to jump into um, playing with and that's going to happen, I promise. All right, so that's it for the moment, and we're going to just jump right in with Ariane and my conversation, and here we go. Welcome, Ariane. It's, uh, Thank it's so you. nice to have you here. Thank you. It's nice, to, it's nice to be chatting with you. So where are you? I Just to start off, I always love just to kick off with where you are. I always do a little bit. I do an intro before going on from my side. It's because I do it before the podcast actually starts in a separate bit. But I, I would love, Ariane, for you to just let our audience know uh, a little bit about what brought you to this moment uh, in time and where you are in the world right now. 
Sure. So, um, so I work for National Geographic Kids Publishing. I'm an editor and I've been an editor with them since 2012. And I've had the opportunity to work on some really phenomenal books um, like Kids versus Plastic and so many others. So I'm, I'm in Virginia right now. We were um, working in our, our DC office and then we were all sent home um, mid-March, I think like so many others and we've been working home ever since um just you know getting our home offices up and running and you know really diving into that i can only imagine because i, I used to work with a coach uh, the editor-in-chief of InStyle when i was living in prague and i cannot imagine doing your job even though i know the world is set up very virtually and amazing but it's such a full-on project to put something out and you, there's this uh, kids versus plastic is so dynamic. There's so much involved. Uh, I can't, how did you manage that with at a distance? <laughs> Was it a lot of, I mean, did you talk every day? How did you keep the team motivated and, and moving forward with that? That's a great question. Um, so, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, initially when we were sent home, I, I don't know if I if I was just naive or something, but I thought we'd be back in the offices soon. And so I only took my laptop home and I didn't bring my my keyboard and my mouse and my monitor. And um, so I I will say that for the first couple weeks, like looking at a layout on a very tiny screen, like real, it makes your eyes feel like they're gonna cross. So. Um, <laughs> I eventually got permission to go back into the office to get my monitor. So that's actually been a game changer for me. I can only imagine because the, you know, this project, especially this one has so many um, images and to not be able to get that sort of stand back view, because I know how it is when you watch a movie on, I don't know if you ever have it, had it happen. I'm sure people out in the audience have where, you've watched the movie on your laptop and then later you watched it on a bigger screen and you're like, wow, I missed that completely. So I can imagine with a project like this, how important that must be to be able to pick up on that detail and that sort of pulling back. So um, how long was it before you ended up actually getting that opportunity back? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, our team jumped right in as, you know, as soon as we were sent home, like, you know, it was still all cylinders fired, like, you know, the, 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 we still had production deadlines um, to meet. And so the world felt stopped, but our work definitely didn't. So, um, you know, we we just sort of made do with, with what we had. And I think we're so fortunate that, you know, we did all have, or I think, I think my entire team, everyone had work laptops and um, was able to get set up at home. So, so that was, you know, really great. And, and you're so right about, you know, all the moving parts and pieces and being able to zoom out and, and, you know, catch, you know, everything from typos to like, you know, an image being off placement or things like that. So, you know, definitely being able to see the layout. So super important, but we just had to kind of get creative and use our resources to do what we had to do. What, what worked the best for you guys as far as um, communication and keeping things rolling in a really awkward reality? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I will say, so our team is very close knit. Um, you know, we're, 
we're a very small and pretty scrappy, I think pretty lean team. So, you know, we all know each other very well and, you know, everyone's got each other's cell phone numbers and stuff like that. So, you know, not only did we have Slack and email, but, you know, you can, we always could just pick up the phone and call each other if we wanted to troubleshoot or talk something through. So I think having those open lines of communication was really important. I, I always like to ask if she's thinking, we're supposed to be talking about the book right now, but there's so <laughs> many people out there and so many parents, especially who are, are listening, who that's one of the biggest struggles is continuing forward with either a passion project or keeping a team interconnected during this time. It's one of the top questions I got when I'd run into people on the street, you know, at a distance and not uh, is the struggle of how to keep things going in a completely different way. So I appreciate just, you know, I think communication is the top thing. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in all the things that need to be done that, you know, forget to pick up that phone. And it's this. So that's, you know, yeah. great to hear that you guys are keeping that going. <laughs> um, so how did the project come across, come across your table or was it something, uh, wh why now? And how did it come to be in the first place? Sure. So, you know, one thing that's come to our team's attention, you know, because we do a lot of books that have, um, you know, some, you know, help the planet messaging, um, you know, because that's part of the National Geographic brand. And it's, it's a, it's a mission that's very near and dear to our hearts, um, you know, as individuals as well. And one thing that came to our attention is, you know, I think kids hear a lot about saving the planet and about species disappearing and about human action causing environmental issues. Um, and they hear that plastic is problematic, but at the same time, you know, kids are so wonderful and they want to help. And a lot of times they feel helpless, I think, and they, they're just not sure where to start and they're not sure if they can have an impact at all. And that's kind of where Kids Versus Plastic enters because, you know, we, we wanted to create a book that was a good place to start that provides the information that kids need to know and want to know, not in a didactic way, but in just an informative way and in a very approachable way, you know, like with infographics or stat statistics that they can understand. Um, and, you know, for example, we'll take us a, a big statistic and we you know, I, I think a lot of people who write for kids do the same thing. You you relate it to something where kids can actually visualize what you're talking about. So, for example, like if you gathered up all the plastic that enters our ocean in a single year, it would equal the weight of 533,000 school buses. So stuff like that. And we loaded this book with lots of action items and tips and easy swaps that they can do in their day-to-day -day lives that will actually have a big impact and it'll help them feel more empowered at a time when I think a lot of kids feel actually kind of powerless. And no, it, that's spot on because my daughter and I Actually, she wouldn't go to sleep in that literally seconds before this uh, we're meeting right now. We were gently dragging our daughter wrapped up in a unicorn blanket out of uh -huh. bed because this is sort of my bedroom office because she was so excited when I she saw me kind of doing last glances at the book after reading it the other day. And uh, she said, but I want to wait, I need to bookmark all my favorite places. And, <laughs> uh, and so we were up, she was up past midnight, actually just too excited 
but she, one of the things that really caught her attention and that she ended up bookmarking surprised me. I thought it was going to be, um, you know, the pages that were showing the Eiffel Tower and, you know, showing that, you know, making those visuals as far as, you know, how, how much plastic we go through and use and waste and all that. But instead it was really, it was the animals for sure. It was, she bookmarked the one with the dolphin that has the, the plastic, you know, can holder, which I remember growing up here in Northern California, my mom was always making us take scissors. It's like, in case it ends up in the ocean, we're going to cut them up. And I was like, what are we doing? Uh, but, you know, we don't use too many things with cans, but she saw that and just, that was another one, the one with um, where I believe it was a large fish that inhaled the head eaten or inhaled the bag so we were talking about oh, how, like, how is it, yeah mm-hmm. yeah how is it supposed to survive and just like things like that where they were wrapped up it just sort of made a strong impact and the one about the girl who was collecting all the golf balls down mm-hmm. south because that's just a couple hours away from us we're in northern cal and uh she was like hmm but what was interesting and you're talking about this empowerment thing it was it was a very it was a surprising process when we were doing um this two-page layout you have um with uh, what marine animal are you? And it takes you through these choices. And I was really surprised, not surprised, but just it was impacted by uh, how Ella was uh, really thoughtful about her decisions. She's like, well, I don't know if I want to do either one of those things. And, you know, I don't, the biggest, the hardest one was that when you had, we were going through and it was a point where like, what plastic thing are you going to let go of? Mm -hmm. And it was balloon she's like, I don't know about that <laughs> or plastic bags, which she said, but I carry my animals in that. And we had this whole, it opened up this whole discussion about what, well, but we could use, you know, a cloth bag. We have lots of cloth bags. And she was really not sure about it, but given the choice, you know, so it was just, you know, I said, well, maybe we could just sometimes not use, you know, plastic bags. So it's just that also parents, I, I just made me think about when parents are looking at this book with their kids that it's opening up a conversation and that it doesn't have to be extreme, you know, where there's an extreme response, which is what I was getting when I was saying, let's get rid of balloons and or uh, plastic bags, but even mm-hmm. just micro movements and allowing kids to be a part of that choice in the house. Because like you said, especially right now, there's so much out of their control and kids are really reacting at home. I'm seeing it. My daughter, who's generally really calm, there's certain things that she needs something to be in control of even if it's like the light switch for the Christmas tree or whatever it is and how important it is. So it's, it's amazing that you guys keyed in on that and, um, and waste and trash. My, my daughter, since she was able to walk, used to pick up trash on the beach when we'd be on holiday. She'd just look at me and she'd say, mommy, like even when she couldn't talk, she would look at me like, how could people just leave this on the beach? And then when she could, she'd say, we need to pick this up. Now she's older and there's COVID and people have got her freaked out about touching other people's things. But, you know, we still try to find a way, but I, it, kids are um, so much more willing to just dive into things like that. And often I see in households that it's the kids who are teaching the parents to really get in more better into upcycling and, and recycling because they're more diligent about it. We might get tired and be like, okay, tomorrow, maybe not today, but kids just get that focus and it's so good for us and for them. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, everything you're saying, I completely agree with. And, you know, I feel like so much of change starts, actually starts with kids in general, because, you know, they've got the, their finger on the pulse of what's current, what's, you know, what's happening sometimes. And 
you know, they, they can really have so much influence in a family and, you know, they hear about things in the classroom or from friends or just through the media that they're absorbing and they're like little sponges and they, you know, they, they pick up these things, and they bring it home. And, you know, I, I love seeing that. That's, that's terrific. Yeah. How did you find a lot of your stories? You had, you know, uh, for those of you who can't see the book because we can't just flip the page and this is so visual, but you're going to have to just go out and get it. But, <laughs> but there are so many great stories in there about, you know, kids who did take action, kids and young people who took action, who were inspired by something. So how did you find these kids and what made you choose them in particular? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, so a lot of it started with our grantees or explorers, people like Jenna Jamback. Um, so, you know, they're they're individuals that National Geographic who are doing amazing work on this front, and National Geographic has given them a grant to continue their research. And in the process of doing all this research, you know, luckily I have a fantastic writer, Julie Beer, who who wrote the book and is a fantastic researcher in her own right. So, um, you know, she found a lot of these stories and they're so inspirational. We were looking for um, a lot of diversity of the type types of stories when, when we were selecting them. And for example, there's this, girl um, in Australia who's actually using shrimp shells to create a new form of um, material that's very plastic-like, but it's biodegradable. And she's very young. I forget her, her age, but like, it's just so impressive. These, these kids are phenomenal. And, you know, we highlight um, some older people as well, who, who are really making strides on that front and trying to figure out solutions to this big plastic problem that we have. No, I saw those, that girl and that she was doing the um, plastic or plastic like uh, stuff with, um, shrimp I was, and when there was that whole piece about the avocado pit in Mexico and they were making I think it's uh, utensils or something out of that right. and she was like wow how is that even possible and I know you know a gazillion years ago they had the whole Bakelite thing it's made out of right. cabbage and potato or something and I know that there's a few bio markets here and there organic markets that have uh, their plastic bags for bulk things are made out of that you know cabbage and potato and things like mm -hmm. that and it at least it, you know, it goes, we always, Ella and I, when we talk about something, we talk about things going back to the earth, you know, people going back to the earth, the plastic going back to the earth. So that was a page that made quite a strong impression as well, where you guys show and talk about how, you know, plastic bag 20 years mm -hmm. and styrofoam, you know, 450 years and, you know, going through this whole and, and fishing line was something that hadn't occurred to me that was so long lasting. I know it's quite an issue, you know, it wraps animals up and, you know, catches them and whatnot. Uh, but I hadn't realized that it lasts even longer than, than plastic bags. So that was, I learned a lot I have to say from reading the book. And, I, and <laughs> I definitely did too. And, you know, the book is for eight kids ages eight to 12, but I learned so much putting this together and that fishing line stat statistic is really fascinating and it definitely is something that's been standing out to a lot of people I think I think they're very surprised by that yeah my daughter's four and a half or four and three quarters as she says but um, and we've seen things in in um, you know Netflix series like Puffin Rock where 
you know, a seagull is completely wrapped up in fishing line. And they're talking about how could that happen and how all these animals come and try to take it off and aren't strong enough to get it off and just sort of make, you know, setting that in the brain, like how powerful this can be. Like, what if an animal is really caught? So right. I, I appreciate when kids are thinking about things and then start asking more questions, which also, you know, get us grownups who are often making the decisions for them, as you're mentioning, to reassess how we're making decisions for ourselves. Because I know that I grew up with a lot of this sort of ecological thinking here in Northern California. And I moved to Czech Republic and in Prague, there was just they fake recycled. So nobody wanted to recycle for a long time because they would take it, but then they'd put it in the garbage bins at the end. And so people kind of were disillusioned with trying to do a lot of things. And only in the last 10, 15 years, we could shift back. So I, I actually, even myself who grew up with the thinking of, you know, cutting the nets and all these things got, I don't want to say maybe lazy because things were different. People weren't, it wasn't working in the same way. And it was after I actually realized now that we've come back to Northern California, it's this shifting back to, uh, you know, more active reality and people over there as well are doing the same because they, you know, realize, you know, the more things are open up and the more information, like you guys are sharing so much information, the more information that's out there, it gives us all an opportunity to realize where it's not worth being lazy because it's, you know, it's hurting lives and, and ultimately, if you're really feeling selfish, you can realize that it comes back to you because it's our oceans, it's the animals' oceans, but it's also coming back to us in, in so many ways. Uh, and so what if you were, I mean, you said that it's eight to 12, but in general, what do you think would be top three things? You know, there's so many things in this great book and so beautiful. I, I just have to add, like your photographers you. always, of course, it's National <laughs> Geographic. We expect gorgeous photography, but um what would be three things that any household could do or maybe to encourage kids slash parents could do in their home that would in their lives that could take effect or what would you advise people definitely um so there's so many things in this book um but you know some of the big takeaways at least for me personally and uh, you know i think your listeners might um you know think are relatively easy swaps would be um you know, to when you go out to eat, don't accept the plastic straw. That's a pretty easy one. You know, just don't use a straw or bring your own reusable straw. Um, also, when you go to the grocery store to bring reusable bags, I think that's one that, you know, a lot of people know. But, you know, if you're like me and you're very forgetful, it's good to just keep some reusable bags in the car. Um, and maybe that's something, you know, a young reader could help you know, parents stay on top of where they're, you know, if they're, if they're passionate about this topic. And um, the, the last one, uh, I would say, I don't know how practical it is, but one of my favorite swaps, we have these like this or um, this to that spreads in the book where it's just sort of an at a glance, you know, very easy ways to uh, to make small changes in your life that just that minimize the single use plastic. And one of them is, you know, instead of when you go get ice cream, instead of getting it in a, a disposable cup with a plastic spoon, just get a cone. Uh, you know, it's better for the environment and it it tastes more delicious, at least in my personal opinion. Yeah, my daughter was all for that one. She, <laughs> says, well, she just looked at me like, 
well, of course, <laughs> I would do get anything else boring grownups. Yeah. And, and as a person who often gets a cup, you know, uh, it was, you know, wake up about the whole plastic coating. I hadn't really thought about that, if I, you know, um, and it's finding all, yeah, it's finding alternatives that work for you. I mean, th in these days, there's so many things you just have to, and in your book, there's so many choices. I think it would be, you know, start with the things that are, um, doable, you know, start with a, a, a baby step and then see how you can explore other things. I love the idea of, you know, writing your, your local, I, I think it was something like this, writing, writing a business. There was something in there about, you know, encouraging people to make other choices, if yes. I remember well. And yes. I thought, what a, what a fun thing to do with kids, especially kids who can write mm -hmm. the idea of having a place that you love and, and encouraging them to have other choices. You know, around here, people um, not far from here in a place called Fairfax, they have, uh, they make sure they always have gluten-free cones so that people can make that choice of not doing the cup. I'm a person who often would take the cup because there wasn't another choice, but maybe you bring your own container and there's lots of collapsible containers. You can, you know, they're really meant for little kids, but you could just keep in your bag and um, like whatever, you know, and, and encouraging them to be on a different path. And it might also wake people up to, you know, what's possible. Maybe they'll save money because they don't have the cups and they, I don't know, you know, they can be, can create a whole new movement and be kind of fun. So. Absolutely. And in this, you know, it's really like you were saying, it's baby steps and, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. And, and like I said before, this book is definitely not meant to be didactic or preachy in any way. It's just meant to, to get people thinking so that they can make these little changes that have a low impact on, on their own lives, but actually cumulatively would have a big impact on the environment. So, you know, it's, it's really amazing when you, when you actually zoom out and think about how much plastic is on our planet and how much winds up in our world's, you know, rivers, lakes, streams, and in the ocean. And then you know, how this has really happened in the last 70 years, pretty much that like how it's really just exponentially increased. And when you think about that, it, it really does make you want to kind of pause before you reach for that straw, you know? Yeah. And, and if you, I mean, we're lucky that in many parts of North America, there are people who are cleaning up. So we don't necessarily see it all, all the time, you know, uh, but if you go, if you travel when that's possible again, more often, uh, you, you see it, you know, you go to a gorgeous beach in India. I can remember going with my family, both in India and Thailand to a phenomenal beach, but then not wanting to get in the water because there were so many plastic bags in there. And then thinking about what does that mean for the fish? And what does that mean for like literally just waves of garbage, you know, yeah. five-star hotel, four-star hotel, one-star hotel, didn't matter. It was just the same waves of garbage uh, coming up on the beach and how heartbreaking that was. Not only to wish that you could get in the water, but thinking about what that really means. And that's really, and that's a lot of parts of the world. There's a lot of plastic floating around because someone's not paid or, you know, coming from a correctional, correctional facility, whatever the reason is that things are getting cleaned up. Uh, so they see it more and more, maybe that even creates more awareness in some ways because it's in your face all the time. Right. 
Right. You see it when it's right in front of you like that, you know, and you can't escape it even on vacation or just day to day. If you're taking a walk, you know, you see it, um, you know, and that's that's something, you know, you're mentioning the photography. That's, you know, something we've built our brand around, you know, photos, facts and fun. And because we use photography and not illustrations, we also I feel like we have this added responsibility to uh, not portray. I don't want to, you know, not show kids the truth, but I also, we also don't want to uh, show kids something like, like a fish actually choking and dying on something, you know, or a dolphin. Right. Not traumatize them. Right, exactly. So we try to be very careful about the images we select and, you know, we, you know, we'll, we'll show, you know, animals interacting with it, but not like dying. So, um, but it's, it's, you know, even so, I mean, this is a book about trash. And so finding that right balance of images that isn't heartbreaking, that that's kind of hard, but we, we certainly want our readers to, to never feel doom and gloom. You know, we always want them to feel empowered and hopeful about the future and like they have a role to play. Well, and, and it's, that's so smart because you're, keeping the door open for all different kinds of family values, because definitely as a parent, I've noticed that there's the parents who don't tell their kids what's going out on out in the world. Like for example, what's happening in the world right now. And then there's like varying degrees of honesty, shall we say, or openness according to what feels right for their family. So, you know, by not making it so shocking and extreme, like sometimes activism can, can be, for example, where it's just in your face, then, then it closed the door to any kind of shift chains or possibility of, of, um, more responsibility and accountability for, you know, how we do things in our lives. So that was super smart, you know, because I know that the conversation I had with my daughter about that dolphin, you know, we'll talk about that. Well, you know, if no human or other fish or other porpoise comes along and says, you know, or not says, but is able to get that plastic off of its nose, you know, what do you think is going to happen? We will have that conversation to say, Mm -hmm. oh no, you know, whereas somebody else might just say, wow, we need to be careful about, you know, our plastics, but it it opens the conversation for what feels right for the family. So I love that you, you left that, you know, flexibility for each family to make their choice, but it's still getting the conversation out there, which is so smart. So, yeah, that definitely seems like it would be a hard, uh, you know, line to walk. And I, you know, I, it's going to, that's very interesting. And, you know, I wonder when, when I'm a a parent, hopefully eventually, you know, how I would navigate that. Cause that would be, I I imagine that would be a a tricky, you know, depending on the topic that I, I, yeah. I mean, I think as a human being, we're making decisions all the time and then it just kind of goes to a whole other level because you feel this responsibility for another human being and mm-hmm. what we're saying and not saying that affects them going forward in their own life. You know that, you know, it just takes it to another level. And I think if we start that, as you're saying, you know, whether you're a parent or not, you are always considering how you're making a decision, you know, how much energy does it cost me and how much, you know, what am I willing to put out there? Does it go against the grain of my community? There's some communities that throwing garbage, I mean, traveling in Europe, I remember I was horrified, you know, in back in the nineties or something, they probably still do it. They they just, people would just open a window and throw their garbage out as the train was going. 
You know, that was a big thing in Italy. I was like, you have gorgeous countryside. Why would you do that? But that's part of the culture. So, you know, in some cultures or communities, it might even be challenging to, you know, not use the plastic bottle, but you know, where we're willing to go with it. And there's so many decisions. So, you know, I, I love that you guys are putting the conversation out there and in such a beautiful way and, and such a thoughtful way, because you had so many different things. It's not just, you're focusing on one thing, which I have to say, my daughter was like, plastics made out of oil. <laughs> you know, seeing those <laughs> barrels there, that was right, a little disturbing, right. you know? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I know. And it, you know, it's really been eye-opening for me too, because I, and maybe I, I'm, you know, silly to not, to not have known this, but I didn't know that fossil fuels were used to make plastic. So that was kind of eye-opening for me. Yeah, though, though there were definitely some things in there. I thought, how could I not know that? You know, it's just, so, but it just makes you, you realize how much, I mean, there, there are different kinds of plastic, but now at least it opens up the conversation of, so what kind of plastic is this? You know, is it recyclable? Is it made of cabbage? Is it, you know, uh, and that, you know, opens up a whole new, new line of, you know, creative thinking and, uh, and exploring things for sure. And so did you, I mean, I know that this is a virtual time, you know, we've had a kind of crazy year for sure, but is, is everything that you guys do, I mean, I know you have quite a, you know, echoing out quite a large team and you've talked about uh, how it works a bit, but have you guys ever been able to meet any of these kids or people that are, you know, in, in your um, kids versus plastic, like virtually, or is it coming through mostly just in pictures? I'm just curious how the interaction was as you guys were creating this beautiful project? Yeah. So um, I did not meet the kids personally, but I believe our author was um, corresponding with them and with their parents. So um, I know she has so much respect for them and just like loves them and loves the work they're doing. So I feel like I've been absorbing that through osmosis because she's so excited about them and their work speaks for the for, for itself. I mean, it's so impressive, you know, like um, Ryan Hickman and, you know, so many others that are featured in this book. So, you know, I, everything has pretty much been, um, I would say, you know, virtual or remote because of COVID and just because, you know, some, some of these people live all over the, the country. So right. It's, you know, it's <laughs> not so easy to, to meet them in person, but um I'm not sure if our author, Julie, has met any of them in person, but she, this project is very near and dear to her. I know she, she's someone who I, I'm pretty positive, actually, like she truly lives, like she, she talks the talk and walks the walk. So she, you know, she may have met them. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. Well, and, and it's just, it gets me thinking about how many people you may not even know what they're, what they're doing in small ways that are affecting the community and ecology and, and all the time that could be, you know, you see somebody now, now when I see somebody diving in Monterey, I'll be thinking, I wonder if that's the golf ball girl. <laughs> right, you know? right, exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, exactly. And it's inspiring, you know, it makes you think about like what, you know, what little things could we do? Because I can't say I was thinking, you know, when, especially the golf balls, I thought, yeah, I've seen golf balls in the water before and, you know, taking it to that next level. What if there was something where you you're inspired and what if you kept going with it? And I think that your stories that you guys chose in here, definitely. I felt my daughter sort of taking a moment, like, how did she know the golf balls were there? And what, how did she, you know, she started mm -hmm. asking the questions. And I think, uh, 
it definitely feels like, you know, reading this, you think, what, what could I do? What little thing could I do? And everything helps to get rid of that. You know, I, I think when I see those, you, you also had four oceans in there. And I thought about, you know, that, you know, the island of that giant island of plastic and the floating right. things that we see in the ocean. And right. you know, what if we took the time? Garbage patch and all of that. It's crazy. So, I mean, we can do little things. And a lot of times people will say, oh, but you know, what difference does it make? What I do, but those small things that you, you showed so many different small things in the book, which I hope will like in our household, I, I hope will kick off um, recognizing the possibilities that it's just like getting things done in your day. You can't just be like, I'm either going to finish a book today or I'm going to write two sentences. Sometimes you just have to allow yourself to write two sentences mm -hmm. or you know, pick up that piece of plastic. Maybe you keep gloves in the car because it's, you know, it pains me to see, like we were at the beach the other day and there was even like a, um, it was an ecological brand, which I found really ironic. I was just like, it was like honest or something like this. And there it was like sitting in the, in the parking lot. And I thought to myself, they just didn't want to walk, you know, three meters away. Now, I don't know what the story was. Maybe there was a screaming child, but you know, you have these moments where you think like, okay, what can we do? And maybe it's instead of judging, then supporting. So if somebody drops something, well, let's just do what we can to, you know, pay it forward and create a domino effect because if somebody sees us or our kids do something right. or our cousins or, you know, whatever, it's not even to having to be your kids. You see somebody do something. It does make you think, even if it's not something you would normally do. And maybe next time you'll be the one picking up something or scooting it into the trash with a stick if you don't want to touch it whatever it is <laughs> absolutely and you know I think that's the beauty of this book is that it 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 inspires people to to take even small actions to to make our environment a little bit cleaner and a little bit nicer and you know like with the golf balls you know plastic takes so long to biodegrade I mean it's like you know 20 years for some things but upwards of 600 years or, you know, or even much longer than that, depending on the type of plastic. Um, and so, you know, once it's in our environment, you know, it slowly degrades and then other things in the food chain eat it. And, you know, if you look at pictures of floating plankton and microplastic in the ocean, it looks so similar. And to expect an animal to discern the difference, I, I think is in the, that animal's not going to know the difference. So it's just going to eat it. And now it's in our food chain. And, and so selfishly, you know, there are selfish reasons for wanting plastic out of our environment. Um, and, you know, I, my husband, he, he's read the book and it, it's been, he, he's someone who I think didn't really think about some of the environmental issues like before, but it's been amazing to watch when, you know, we go out now, if he sees like litter on the ground, he'll pick it up and collect litter that he sees and wait to go throw it away or to recycle it when we get home. And it's just, you know, those little changes, you know, once you start thinking about it and once you know the statistics, it, it does sit in your mind and it makes a difference. Yeah, I, I, it, it does affect you. And even sometimes it just, it creeps in even when you don't expect it. <laughs> remember years ago, I was traveling with a boyfriend who was very, very ecological, sustainable, whatever. And you could go miles without seeing a recycle bin. And I remember once he saw me finish something because I don't know what had happened. We didn't have our bottles with us. We'd forgotten it. And so we just had to buy some water or something. And he's like, so how he looked at me and he's like, so how dedicated are you to the environment? 
are you going to carry that like for the next four miles or are you going to put it in the bin? And I remember it still sticks with me. Even that relationship, you know, died very quickly. But that <laughs> that uh, that seed that was planted every time I feel lazy and I'm like, oh, I don't want to carry this sticky thing in my purse or whatever. I It does still pop in my head. And I, I do appreciate that because, you know, it is such a small thing that can um, make such a difference. And, you know, when you talked about the uh, microplastics, my, the most devastating moment for my four and, a, four and a half year old when we were reading this was recognizing that glitter was microplastic. Oh, she I just know. died a hundred times in that moment. She just looked at me oh, and I said, we'll have to find, no, but it was, she loves glitter. I mean, who doesn't love glitter most of the right. time? Uh, and uh, so I said, well, we'll just have to find another solution and see what we can, you know, it never occurred to us that you know, why one glitter might have been more, um, you know, more important to buy than another. And now we'll look for it. We didn't even think to look for it. Just like in right. the olden days, I would just put nail polish on my fingers, which is my favorite color, which is my favorite brand, which lasts the longest. I never considered the formaldehyde and all that stuff, which, mm -hmm. you know, later, you know, now you look for the brands that you know you can trust that are going to be healthier for the environment for yourself. Now it's, we have a new question about glitter. So <laughs> we won't be going down to the, you know, drugstore to get glitter. We might have to look a little harder to not have to let go of glitter and make a, a more earth conscious, animal, people conscious choice. So that was, right. that was a big one. So. Right. And thank goodness for that, that woman in Brazil who's coming up with the, the, the eucalyptus based glitter that's yeah I'm so curious stable. about that. <laughs> exactly I, know, I was like I know. how does she that work yeah. I love I think that that uh awareness definitely creates it prompts more creativity just like this craziness in the world right now and you having to do this project you know for a while without your you know bigger screen and all this like it, it forces creativity that you have to put the pieces together or create something in a different way in order to not have to uh, uh, let go of quality or what's important to you. You know, if glitter is important to you, you find a way to make it possible. If you want this project like you did to have the same integrity and, and quality and value that, you know, any National Geographic, you know, thing that you put your hands on would have, then you found a way. And so, you know, it's just having, it's uh, investing energy where it makes sense and taking the time, you know, for what matters to you. Absolutely. So maybe, maybe somebody here will be listening and thinking, I want to create that glitter or, you right, know, uh, right. something else in their own community oh, and sure we'll come up with something. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I hope so. I feel like glitter should be in more things. So. I love glitter. I know, so I, I also was I like, we had just finished, you know, doing that, you know, when you make something with glue and then you put the glitter on yeah. that magic of when it sticks and it just makes everything look gorgeous. So mm -hmm. yes, it's going to be a new adventure, but <laughs> well, awesome. so before I know that, you know, our, our time will, will come to an end at this point. Um, I want to just ask you in the project, what was, you know, when you were doing this book with everyone, what was the most challenging moment where you kind of felt like, ah, you know, if there was one of those moments, and the, a moment that just sort of charged you with energy or a part of the book that really, I don't know, a, uh, a great moment yeah. and a challenging moment in the project. Yeah. <laughs> um, challenging moment. So, you know, it's funny because in putting a book together, 
any book, there are always those moments where you're like, oh gosh, what do I do in this? Because something always comes up that you didn't expect and every book is different. And, um, but it's funny because once the book is sent to production and it's done, it's like, there's a mag- there's like a spell cast over you and you just completely forget anything negative about that book because you're just so excited about it and <laughs> so excited to see it. So um, challenging moment, I, you know, maybe it was figuring out the content to, to include um, and kind of setting the right tone because we, we wanted to do this book. We wanted it to be fun and engaging and for kids to, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really a book about plastic, but also about trash. And so, you know, being able to make that look fun and colorful was not easy. So I tip my, you know, metaphorical hat to our designer and photo editor for that, because, you know, they just found some amazing images and are writer Julie she found some amazing stories that would lend themselves to beautiful photography in a book about trash so um I would say that was probably the most challenging part uh as far as the best moment um you know it's I'm it never gets old it's seeing the book in print it's getting the hard copy I you know you can look at a layout so many times and there's just something, it's it's exactly the same. It looks exactly the same, but when you get the hard copy and you're, you're looking at it and you reread it, it's just such a great feeling. So <laughs> I think that's my favorite. I don't, I know that's not a moment of putting the book together per se, but that's always been my favorite moment. Well, that's a pretty magical moment to see all your hard work and you know, all the shuffling of images and stories. And then you see this sort of magical, like, here it is. Uh, it must be pretty phenomenal feeling. <laughs> I can imagine after the blood, great. sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so where can people find this book? If they they're... Find, yeah, everywhere. Um, you know, wherever books are sold, you know, if they want to go to a local bookshop or, you know, go somewhere else, they, they, it's available everywhere. Um and, you know, kids can also, you know, grab a parent and, you know, you can go online with your with your child and go to kids.nationalgeographic.com to learn more about the Kids versus Plastic initiative as a whole. And online, you'll see some videos and crafts and activities. And there's even um, a downloadable tool that um, will show you how you can become a waste warrior in 2021. How cool. I love that. Waste warrior. <laughs> If you were giving advice to somebody out there who got a little inspiration to follow a passion or to create something like this, uh, whether it was a book or something else, and you kind of just reflect back on, you know, your feelings and experiences, a lot of the questions that we've just talked about, what, what would it, advice would you give them? Like how to manage the crazy realities of life and the hiccups along the way and still keep going forward? What would be your words of wisdom <laughs> or non-wisdom. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't pr- consider myself a particularly wise person, but I will do my best here. So um, I, I just read something online recently, um, you know, the, the show, The Queen's Gambit, about how the people that created that show shopped it or were working on it, I think, think for like 30 years or something. And 
they kept getting turned down time and time again because people kept saying no one wants to watch a show about chess and I, I don't know if this story is true or not but I, I read this recently and um you know that that just sort of stuck in my mind because you know obviously the queen's gambit was incredibly successful as a show and so you know i would say if if your idea is really good and it's really quality and you're excited about it definitely don't give up on it and you know if you believe it's good it probably is and i'm sure someone else out there will will see that eventually and um you know, I, the other piece of advice I can give that I know from an editor's standpoint is, you know, when people pitch ideas to us or send us submissions, when they, when it's clear, people have read a lot of our products and they can match our, our tone. And, you know, for example, for, for Nacho Kids, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of spread-based content and, you know, lots of fun sidebars and fun facts on every uh, spread of the book. And when people approach us with really fun ideas that that fit well within our, our range of products already, and it's clear they've done their homework, that's something that really stands out to us. Nice. Thank you. I, I yeah, every, every bit, it, when I say wisdom and not wisdom, it's like we all have something. <laughs> you know, it's not that you have to be, you know, a, a a, a sage up on the mountain and Baby Yoda. meditating. <laughs> exactly. And I love Queen's Gambit. Gambit. It was just, oh, it was one of those things I clicked on in Netflix and was so happy that I did uh, for sure, because it's, you know, and there's so many stories like that, you know, where people are rejected and you just have, it's that keep the, the people who are successful. It's not that even necessarily that they did something so different than anyone else. I mean, they, they, they were passionate, like you said, about something. And they just kept going. That's why right. that tiny percentage of people that are successful, it's because they kept going when they were getting knocked down or, you know, if when hiccups came on, they just said, okay, well, my <laughs> maybe they shed some tears and then they keep going or whatever it might be. So, you know, thanks for that reminder. It's really important. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful to have you here talking about this project. This is the second book from National Geographic Kids that I've had the honor to get to explore. I don't know if you're ever at all connected to the um, animal. Uh, oh my gosh, my brain just went completely blank. The Tar Styles book, um, animal, animal Yoga. Oh my gosh, my brain just stopped. But in the summer, there was a really gorgeous book from Tara Styles, you know, Tara Styles, she does the oh, yes, yoga yes. and you guys uh -huh. did this beautiful, gorgeous book. And my brain just, I, Tara, don't be mad at me. I'm so sorry. Uh, but, but it was my first taste that you guys do these dynamic books that, you know, mixing, you know, ecology and what we do with our bodies and how we think on the magazine. I actually had no idea because I've been out of the country in and out for 22 years. I hardly see any English books. So, you know, and now you guys are doing plastics and I can't wait to see what's next. So it's just, um, thank you for uh, continuing to take your, your, not only your brand, but your intention as people as on the planet and as a magazine, like to really, uh, echo out what's sometimes gently in our own souls, but we haven't taken it forward. And you guys are doing that and reminding us of what's possible and how we can affect the world with beauty, which is what you guys are doing. You're you're encouraging and inspiring us through um, visual as Thank well as through you. the actual stories. And so it's really powerful. 
Yeah. And thank you for, you know, your diligence through continuing forward amidst the, the madness of not having all the things you'd normally have and still making it happen and for um, finding a way to, you know, um, continue that fluid movement with your, your team to uh, get this out here for us. And I can't wait to share this with our, uh, our audience. And thanks for your time today. Really Thank you so it. much. It's it's an incredible opportunity to get to work on these products. So and to get them in the hands of kids. That's it's the best job. I love it. So <laughs> Thank you. and is is there any other way that we can support you out in the world as audience, as a coach, or anything you need from us other than to go buy the book? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely go pick up the book, uh, Kids versus Plastic. You you know you could go to kids.nationalgeographic.com um, and learn more about it. And, you know, start cutting back on single use plastic and, you know, definitely feel free to send us feedback if you have ideas or comments or, or anything like that, you know, we're, we're here. Wow. Love that. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. And, uh, hope you have the rest of your day is incredible and that 2021 brings fun and goodness and more great projects for us to explore and share and inspire one another. Thank you for you know, being who you are. Right? Thank, you. Really Thank you. Thank you as important. well. <laughs> Take you. care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Wasn't that fun? I love talking about how we can create and as well take effect in the world. Um, thank you so much, Ariane, for showing up from across the U.S. and the world to uh, talk to us about your Kids versus plastic project. I love that. Uh, the pollution solution. I mean, we see trash everywhere. I know that there is no place I've ever been to that's completely immune from that. You always find something somewhere along the way. And, you know, how can we affect change and make the planet and our own environment and environment for our kids and family better? And I'm going to have a giveaway. I didn't forget. So I'm just mentioning that again. Write me at ariel at imperfectparenting.net. Of course, all of this is down in the description along with the links that Ariane mentioned. Uh, or you can pop on to Instagram at IP underscore parenting, where I'm going to have, uh, I'll do some couple lives or a live and uh, as well have a picture of kids versus plastic. And you can comment there. Let me know what you do with plastic. What are you doing to affect uh, change in your own household, in the world? Do you pick up trash? What do your kids do? Do you make art from it? Anything relating to your relationship to plastic and single-use plastic especially. And you will get in a drawing. Just all you have to do is a sentence or two, whatever, about uh, your relationship to this topic. And you get in the drawing for a book. And uh, that's if you're in the U.S. And if you're beyond the U U.S., we are still working on getting you a digital book that you can also participate in. And that will happen. Meanwhile, still comment. Let us know what's going on. We're always inspired. And I'm going to tag uh, Ariane in and she can see all your great comments. So have a beautiful day and keep affecting change, following your inspiration and listening to where your heart takes you. Thank you for listening to our Very Imperfect Parenting Podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IP parents. You can also write me at 
ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.